0: Shalom, everyone. This is Luke Tanner with Zion Hebraic Congregation. This week's Shabbat Messages by me, and it is on Shavuot, the festival of Shavuot. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Feel free to check out our website, zionhebraiccongregation.com. You'll find archived Shabbat messages there, as well as blog posts by my dad. You can subscribe to those in the subscribe box. Also, if you want to, you can scri- subscribe to our uh, uh, messages on your favorite pod class, podcast platform, such as Apple, iTunes, um, or whatever else uh, on our website. You can also find links to our social media accounts, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Enjoy. Hey, mighty warrior Okay, Shabbat Shalom, everybody. Um, today we're going to um, talk about Shavuot, otherwise known as Pentecost. Um, I don't know where to start. <clears throat> well, first we'll pray. That might be a good start. And then, we'll, and then we'll get into it. We'll go through some passages in the Tanakh and the Torah. And then we're going to get into Jeremiah and Acts and the New Testament. Um, I don't know. <laughs> we may read a lot. We may not. I don't want we'll to see what happens. All right. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this day, this um, day before Shavuot. I thank you for um, all that you do and provide for us. I thank you for the Sabbath, uh, this time and place to be together, to be able to read from your word and study, and that you do give us a day of rest, which is a memorial of our exodus from, from uh, slavery of sin. And so I just pray that you would work in and through our hearts and minds today as we study your word. Amen. Okay, so um, I guess we'll start out in Exodus. Exodus, go to Exodus 23. We'll start there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's the matter? <laughs> Something funny. All right. So Exodus twenty-three. We'll start there. So so Shavuot basically uh, it means the counting of the weeks. As you guys know, we uh, we had Passover, and then you have uh, the festival of unleavened bread. At the end of the festival of and bread. Um, uh, the, the first day after the Sabbath, during the week of unleavened bread, begins the counting of the Omer, which you count up 49, 50 days, is Shavuot or Pentecost, the 50th day, <clears throat> and um, it is the it's it's basically the start of the wheat harvest. And so, and it's interesting. I was listening to one guy, and he was talking about he lives in the land of Israel, and he said that in the land things tend to ripen on a 50-day cycle. So it's like you got barley, then you have wheat, and then, and then I think it's olives, grapes, and then, um, or grapes, then olives, and then something else at the end, which, which would basically be Sukkot. So it's interesting how it's all on this kind of 50-day cycle, um, you know. I don't think there's any coincidences that God is very systematic in what he does. And there's, there's rhythms and there's these cycles and patterns all through Scripture with uh, numbers and, and different things. And it's pretty interesting. So he's, and it's all embedded into the universe that he created, you know, and it all declares his glory and shows forth his handiwork. Imagine that. And uh, so it's pretty cool as you start to see these things. So Shavuot is the wheat harvest, and they were to um, count these days up to the, to, to the wheat harvest and up to Shavuot, and then they were to bring into the temple two leavened loaves of wheat bread as an offering out of everybody's house. And, uh, and they were to be waved by the priests before before God as a, as, a, as a thanksgiving offering before him. And so it's interesting, it's the only grain offering that was that was brought to the temple that would have been leavened, which is interesting. I'm sure there's all kinds of meaning you can draw out of that, and you can dig into that if you want. Um and uh, and it was also, uh, it was, they were pretty big loaves too. If you actually like, measured out the amount of uh, wheat and stuff that they were supposed to bake, they would have been actually pretty big. Other than that, we're really not told too much about it. All the males, it's one of the three pilgrimage festivals. All the males in Israel are supposed to go up. So it's the second of three. Uh, the third one being um, Yom Kippur, or Sukkot, Sukkot. And um, Passover, Shavuot. And Sukkot, uh, and so they were. They were supposed to go up up to Jerusalem for that. Um, but really, other than that, we're not given a whole whole lot of detail. Um, people make connection, and we're going to cover that a little bit because I do think it is significant as it ties into what happens in Acts and what also is talked about in Jeremiah. Um, there is significance, I believe, in the timing relating to the giving of the Torah on Mount Sinai and how God. Uh, giving his word, codified, you know, written down unto his people as now a, uh, a nation born from slavery. And so um, I believe that correlates very closely with what happens in Acts with Pentecost there, Shavuot, and the giving of the Spirit, his word, which is then going to go out into all the, na- all the nations uh, to gather in that which was lost. So, I hope we can kind of piece all that together and we can kind of kind of see that. But first, we'll just cover some basic verses here uh, that talk about it in the Torah. So the first one in Exodus is Exodus 23 and verse 16. Um, it says, And the feast of harvest, the first fruits of thy labors, which thou hast sown in the field, and the feast of ingathering, which is at the end of the year, when thou hast gathered in thy labors out of the field, three times a year, uh, In the year, all thy mail shall appear before the the Lord God. So that's talking about um, Shavuot right there. And then if you go to chapter 34 of Exodus. And 22, 34, 22. And thou shalt observe the feast of weeks, of the first fruit of the wheat harvest, and then the feast of ingathering at the year's end. Thrice in the year shall all your men, children, appear before the Lord God, God of Israel. So, for I will cast out nations before thee, and enlarge thy borders, neither shall any man desire thy land, blah, blah, blah. So, uh, it was this first uh, feast of weeks. It's talked about there. Then if you go to Numbers 28. It's also in uh, Leviticus 23, but we're not going to go there. So Numbers 28, get there. (coughs) And 20, um, 26. And in the day of the firstfruits, when you bring a new meat offering unto Yehovah, after your weeks be out, you shall have a holy convocation, you shall do no servile work. So, a new meat, oftentimes, like if you have the King James like I do and it says new meat, it's not talking about animal. Like a, it's not talking about a steak. It's uh, I'm more often referring to a grain offering. And uh, after your weeks be out, because you've counted seven weeks, you'll have a holy convocation. You do no servile work. So, it's not, um, it's not technically called a Sabbath. Like the festivals are not, are not technically Sabbaths, they, they are no work days. So no servile work, meaning in simp- the simplest, but very, uh, br- uh, very encompassing and dynamic explanation of what that really means is, you know, you're not supposed to do what you do to make a living or engage in activities with those who are making their living. In other words, like don't go work where you work and don't go grocery shopping or whatever, you know. <laughs> and so that's, that's kind of the, the, the definition of what, you know, we're supposed to do or not do. You know, it's supposed to be a day off. It's a holiday. You know, every, we understand this in secular culture very easily. It's like if, you know, December 25th rolls around everything's closed. Except for, you know, your Chinese restaurant. Uh, and, and the movie theater. <laughs> yeah, but they, you know, most people understand it's a day where you don't work. You stay home, you spend time with family, you know, during this time, all the males would be in Jerusalem uh, and it would be a, a big get together and a, and a thanking. It's really what it is. All of Israel's holidays, which God has given us, is essentially thanking him for the food, for life and for the food that he gives them because it was in that land that they lived they didn't, it wasn't, as he said, it wasn't like the, like the Nile River Basin where they irrigated everything with canals, or like they're doing in Israel now with drip irrigation, which is pretty cool, but the idea was it was a land that God took care of, and when his people were living as they should in accordance with his word, the rains would come, the seasons would operate as they should, uh, and the food would grow, and everything would be wonderful, and so it was part of them doing as they should, God then reciprocating and blessing them, and then them bringing a thanksgiving offering for what he has done for them as, uh, as, their, as God's people. And uh, so it's this really beautiful, awesome thing where, you know, your attachment to and your uh, intrinsic relationship with, with God, the land, and the community, and it all working uh, as it should, coexisting Proper coexistence, <laughs> if you've read my dad's blog. <laughs> <clears throat> Shameless plug. <clears throat> so, anyways, where are we? So that was, what, numbers. Let's go to Deuteronomy 16. So 16 verse 10. And thou shalt keep the feast of weeks unto Yehovah thy God with a tribute of a free will offering of thine hand, which thou shalt give unto Yehovah thy God, according as Jehovah thy God has blessed thee. And thou shalt rejoice before Yehovah thy God, thou thy son, thy daughter, thy maid serv- manservant, maidservant, Levite that's within thy that gate, stranger, fatherless widow that are among you, and in the place which Jehovah the God hath chosen to place His name there, and thou shalt remember that thou was a bondman in Egypt, and thou shalt observe to do these statutes. So it's it's all about you know remembering what God has done for us, and then thinking, thank, thanking Him for that. So now let's go um, let's go to um, Exodus 19, because what I want to what I want to do here is kind of correlate. And and this is traditional, like, uh, you know, if you look into rabbinic Judaism or Judaism as a whole, they they very clearly attach Shavuot to the Exodus 19. Uh, They attach Shavuot to the giving of the Torah on Mount Sinai. And I believe there's a very solid case to be made for that because they came out in the third month, on the third day of the month, as we're going to see, Moses uh, interacts with God. And then you get the Ten Commandments. Um, and non-coincidentally, today is the third day of the third biblical month. So, um, uh, so there's this correlation there with all of this and in, in, in what happens. And so, um, oftentimes what you see in the, or all the time, it's all interrelated. It's, you know, it's so di- the The Bible, God's Word, the festivals, prophecy, everything's connected to everything. It's like this this web of interconnectedness, and as you pull one string, everything is connected. And so are the festivals. As you start to look at them, like we just read, it points you back to Egypt. It points you back to Mount Sinai. It points you back to what God has done for His people to create for Himself a people for His name. Um, and to fulfill his plan, his ultimate plan of the redemption of his people, which is you get into the prophets, and then you get into the New Testament. You start to see all of that unfold. So, um, let's see, let's go to 19, and uh, we'll read some of this. I I don't know, know, we'll we'll read all of it, but 19 verse 1. In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day they came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they were departed from Rephidim, and were come to the desert of Sinai, and had pitched in the wilderness. And there Israel camped before the mount. And Moses went up unto God, and Jehovah called unto him out of the mount, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You've seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bare you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed, and, and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And these are the words which thou shalt speak unto, uh, the, uh, unto the children of Israel. And Moses came and called the elders of the people and laid before their faces all the words which Yehovah commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, All that Yehovah hath spoken we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto Yehovah. Jehovah said unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with thee, and believe thee forever. And Moses told the, words, um, told the words of the people unto Yahweh. So that's kind of the, the setting here of what happens. And then you get the whole Ten Commandments and Moses going up there, and then he comes down and he breaks them and blah, blah, blah. Um, so the trumpet sounding long, it's, it's really a pretty, pretty awesome section of Scripture. But this whole idea and the attachment being on the third day of the third month, this is when it happens. And, and uh, lots of commentators um, also attach or relate this whole scenario as, as, a, as a, a marriage covenant ceremony, which it very much is, uh, because you have God making a covenant with the people and the people entering into the covenant, as you just read, as we read right there. All the people answered and said, all that God has spoken, we will do. And then he speaks to Moses, and they can hear it all. So, you have that. So, What's going on here? You have God's people. They've come out of the land. They've come out of or they've come out of Egypt. They're now in the desert. he's He's um, the nation is being born, essentially. You, they've been in slavery. They've been for four hundred years. They've been a mixture of everything, whatever, whoever, traditions and things, and um, basically just having an oral history of, what's gone on before them with their forefathers and before this the torah or god's instructions and commandments they weren't they weren't codified so to speak they weren't written down they were passed on orally uh, from generation to generation within the familial setting of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And prior to that, God's, God's important thing to understand is God's word has always been in effect from the beginning because God, it is God, and God doesn't change. And so whether or not it's written down is irrelevant. It is still him, his standards for right and wrong, and uh, what, what he desires to have happen in the world, essentially. So... But what ha- is happening here is as now you have a nation come out from uh, slavery and they're going to be living together communally and they're going to have a certain plot of land where they're going to have to operate on a national scale, this, God's word now needs to be written down. It needs to be codified. It needs to be uh, a, a constitution, essentially, for the people as they now live in this national setting within the context of the world. And so they can operate as God wants them to. And so he writes it down. And what I want us to see, and I think we're going to see, is then as we get into Acts, why, uh, as they're gathered for Pentecost, as the Holy Spirit comes and what Yeshua told them he was going to do and send them out into all the world to preach the gospel and to make disciples and to gather in those lost sheep, of the tribes of Israel so that his nation can be born again. And it's all part of what the new covenant is all about. This joining of the two sticks, the two, uh, uh, the Northern Southern kingdom back together so that he can, uh, bring about the redemption physically of his kingdom, uh, which started to happen. Uh, well, it's always been happening since the beginning, but, um, with the new covenant really. So, um, now let's go to all right first so now let's let's go to Acts chapter two the beginning of the church no I'm just, I'm just kidding it's really not <laughs> That, you know, in common Christianity, we're were taught um, that the church began in Acts chapter 2. But that's just completely missing and and completely contrived, for one. It's not true. Uh, And secondly, it's it's completely missing the whole point of what was going on. You know, God was... uh, Preparing to send out his word, like everything I just said. Send out his word into the nations to gather his people back in. Because if you think about it, you know, he's always been about the business of injecting his truth and his word back into the world so it can be reign supreme everywhere, right? Because that's what's going to happen. All the earth is going to come back under his dominion. And so he has to... As a just judge, he has to send out his word all over the world. So you have it with, you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But then, you know, he gives it to, uh, sends it forth into, you know, the nation of Israel. And then, you know, the Babylon captivity happens. They come back. Then you have Yeshua. uh, The Messiah comes to redeem you know his people from their sins and then his word is then going to go out into all nations and spread so that then he can from this rebuild rebuild his kingdom but but it just couldn't happen otherwise randomly his word needs to be pervasive and if you think about it through history you know you have all these things that happened you know there's no coincidences that um, you know his word went and prominently in the English language, and, got, and then went all over the world with the most brave missionaries ever, and then uh, now, in the digital age, it's, it's everywhere, for everyone, in anyone's language. You can get it. And so, that's why, personally, I believe we're on the cusps of the end, because His Word has, and is, if it's not already, in every corner of the earth which is just awesome if you think about it. And I think that's why the rise of evil and the rise of everything, the antithesis, is so uh, banging at the gates of righteousness because, because God's word has spread everywhere, you know, and it's ubiquitous. And, and those who are, are called and those who believe um, are... Um, now being brought back in to his covenant, you know, with the understanding of the Torah and I think everything that's going on in the quote-unquote messianic movement. But basically, it's just God, you know, fulfilling out his, 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 fulfilling his word and his promises to his people. So, um, now, so let's go to, um, let's read this, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They were in the temple. That's, that's where you would go. They they weren't in the upper room, just in case anybody's wondering. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. It filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them clove and tongues of fire that sat on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. The Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. And when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man... Heard them speak in his own language, and they amazed and marvelled, saying to one another, "Behold, are not all these which speak our Galilean lands? And how hear we, every man, in our own tongue, wherein we were born, and we'll kind of stop there. I don't I don't, want to, I don't really want to get into all the you know everything that happens in Acts chapter two too much. Um, if you want to go back onto the blog or onto the website, my dad preached about on it pretty good uh, not too too long ago. <clears throat> so. So they're they're there in the temple because where else would devout men be? You know, of course that's where they're supposed to be. So they're there in the temple. There's this mushing, rushing, mighty wind, and there is uh, cloven tongues of fire that sit on on the tops of their heads. I believe all of this is is indicative and a reminder and would instantly jog in the minds of any devout man at the time. Mount Sinai, because you had uh, the trumpet sounding long, you had thunders and lightnings and fire, and the mountain was scorched, and all of these happening, things happening, uh, that, that would be instantly recognizable, I believe, to those at, in, at, at the temple at this time as who, Relating back to what had happened on Mount Sinai with the giving of the Torah and God's covenant and his promises with his people. And we're going to get into the renewing of the covenant or the new covenant, as it's called. But as you read it, it's really not a new covenant. It's the same covenant. It's just that the people are going to live it out and do it. It's such a beautiful, wonderful thing. And that's what's so important for our Christian brethren to understand is that it's not... Uh, it's, God's Word has never changed. It is still the same thing. It's, what, it's the efficaciousness. It's what it is doing and how God is moving in his people. And so you have all these different national backgrounds sitting there in the temple and they're all hearing the Word of God in their own language. And um, it's actually talked about in, in whether or not it's true. It's kind of besides the point, but it's interesting that uh, in rabbinic teaching, they say that at the at Mount Sinai, everybody heard when God spoke with Moses. He spoke in all. Everybody heard all the nations of the earth at that time. So that's interesting. Boy, um, they're not. That's true. We don't really know. It's not verified for us in Scripture. But I find that very fascinating. And so, which you think about it, like, what language did God speak? Did he speak all languages at once? You know, what it, did? What were all the children of Israel speaking? Were they speaking Egyptian? I mean, or did they speak Hebrew? Did some speak, you know, there's a mixed multitude that went with them. So if you think about it, there was probably, there probably was multiple language going going on. But, you know, what language does God speak? Well, I tend to think he spoke Hebrew because he wrote down the Ten Commandments. What language does God write down? Well, I think it was probably Hebrew. It was Hebrew or some ancient, you know, script that not necessarily what, you know, modern Hebrew necessarily, but I believe it was Hebrew. Uh, So it's interesting, I find that. So again, what's going on here? So to understand that, let's go to John uh, chapter 14. Yeshua had told them what was going to happen. Actually, let's go to Luke. Go Go to Luke 24 first. So this is the very end, obviously, of Luke, and Yeshua is going to be leaving soon. And uh, so Luke 24, verse 44. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, that it is behooved Messiah to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance or remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Uh, where was I going through? And ye are witness of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. So they waited until in Jerusalem until they were endued with this power on high. Why were they endued with this power from on high? Why did God send this pouring out of his spirit, his his energy, and that which gives action into the lives of believers was that then they could take, again, his word to all the nations. And it was going to be spread forth so that no man can be you know, uh, held unaccountable. I'm not talk, saying this correctly. Everybody's on the hook, so to speak. His word is everywhere. And those who are called will now, as in the fullness of time, be start to be brought back. And we're seeing that happen with now Judah back in the land. I use that term very loosely. <laughs> it's a whole nother discussion. But there are those... From Judah, who are believers that are back in the land. Maybe they're from other tribes too. I don't know. So, we're seeing this fulfillment of God's word start to take place. But he told them, hang out until the promise of the Father happens. This, the comforter, that spirit, that energy. His word, which will now go forth. Okay. Uh, Now let's go to John chapter 14. I love the book of John. It's so good. (sighs) All right, John 14, verse 15. If you so and pay attention to this here, the the use of what's going on. Like he's he's gonna say here, if you love me, keep my commandments. Uh, I don't think that's thrown in there willy-nilly right before the comforter coming, you know. So if you love me, John 14, 15, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter. Where are we going? 315. Okay. That he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not. Neither knoweth him, but you know him, those who are called. For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. So he's saying the comfort's going to come, but the comforter isn't some random, separate being thing doing its own thing while... Yeshua, the Son, and the Father have no idea what's going on with the, that dude over there. Like they're all, he's saying, I will come to you. They're all the same. 19. Yet a little while the world sees me no more, but ye see me because I live, and ye shall live also. And at that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. And he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him and will manifest myself unto him. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know how c- he can't, couldn't be any more clear. But he's saying, you know, he let me keep my commandments. I'm going to send you the comforter. I will come to you. You'll be in me, I in you, we in my Father. will manifest myself to you. So this, this, none of this was, is random. So this idea of the comforter coming. 16, the Holy Spirit. Uh, John chapter 16. Uh, and we're going to start in verse 7. 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him, send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin. Just think of what his word does, right? By nature, it reproves the world of sin. Because they, um, uh, and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe me not, of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Uh, I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, he shall speak. And he will show you things to come. So pretty cool. So this equipping of the Holy Spirit, of God's word for this task, his new mission that they're going to be equipped with, which is to go into all the world, spread his word, make disciples, and gather back in the outcasts of Israel and rebuild his kingdom in a physical sense. But first it has to start in the hearts and the minds of the people. And that means all his word needs to go everywhere. Why? Because people have gone everywhere and have been dispersed all over the world and the nations. And so um, this new thing, air quotes, if you're listening to this, is happening. But it's really not new. It's just the same thing. It's just God has had to make a way for his word to be fulfilled. And he knew what would happen. Um with mankind throughout history and, and what he was going to have to do to deal with all this. So now, uh, let's go to Jeremiah chapter 30. <clears throat> I really want to read, because I think this is so important, because this is the context of, of, of what's going on in the New Testament and what's going on now. And so, I think we're just going to read this. So, just buckle up and, and sit back and enjoy it. Because we're, I want to read chapter 30 and 31. Because we all cite oh, Jeremiah 30, 31. Behold, the days that come, say unto thou, make a new covenant of the house of Israel and the house of Judah. You know, and when we all know Yeshua said, you know, this is my blood and the new covenant. Take ye, blah, 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 blah. And that gets just kind of meandered over. But it's out but without the context of what's going on in Jeremiah with him watching the temple be destruct, destroyed and them going into the captivity and the houses being split, you know, this, it's, none of this is happening in a vacuum. And especially then when you, uh, Yeshua comes on the scene and they think he's going to go up to Jerusalem, he's going to sit on the throne, and he's going to reign, and he's going to set up the kingdom. That's what they're all hoping for. They're hoping for the Maccabees take two. And he tells them, beware lest no man deceive you. Like, that's what he says. He doesn't even answer them. Um, why? Because his word has to go out. It, the hearts of the people have to be ready to be changed, you know? And I don't think we're quite there yet because I think if, if there was a voice out of heaven saying, all right, everybody, pack up. We're going back to the land. Yeshua's going to be king. People be like, well, wait a minute. What about my vacation time? You know? So. so, anyway. All right. Chapter 30. Now I booked tickets to the Sukkot Festival out west. Don't get me started. Sorry. I should stop. Uh, okay. Chapter 30, verse 1. The word of God that came to Jeremiah from Yehovah, saying, Thus speaketh Yehovah, God of Israel, saying, Write all these words that I have spoken unto thee in a book. For lo, the days come, saith Yehovah, that I will bring again the captivity of my people Israel and Judah, saith Yehovah, and I will cause them to return to the land that I gave to their fathers, and they shall possess it. And these are the words that Yehovah spoke concerning Israel and concerning Judah. For thus saith the Lord, we have heard a voice of trembling and of fear and not of peace. "'Ask ye now, and see whether a man doth travail with child. "'Wherefore do I see every man with his hands on his loins and a woman in travail, and all their faces are turned unto paleness? "'Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. "'It's even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. "'For it shall come to pass in that day, saith Jehovah of hosts, "'that I will break his yoke from off thy neck, and I will burst thy bonds, "'and strangers shall no more serve themselves of him. "'But they shall serve Jehovah their God.' and David their king, whom I will raise up unto them. Therefore fear not thou, thou not, O my servant Jacob, saith Jehovah. neither be dismayed, O Israel, for lo, I will save thee from afar, and thy seed from the land of their captivity. And Jacob shall return, and shall be in rest, and be quiet, and none shall make him afraid. For I am with thee, saith Jehovah, to save thee. Though I make a full end of the nations, whither I have scattered thee, yet will I not make a full end of thee. But I will correct thee in measure and will not leave thee altogether unpunished. For thus saith Yehovah, Thy bruise is incurable, and thy wound is grievous. There is none to please thy cause, that, that thou mayest be bound up. Thou hast no healing medicines. All thy lovers have forgotten thee. They seek thee not, for I have wounded thee with the wound of an enemy, and with chastisement of a cruel one, for the multitude of thine iniquity, because thy sins were increased. Why criest thou for thine affliction? Thy sorrow was incurable for the multitude of thy iniquity, because thy sins were increased and have done these things unto thee. Therefore, all they that devour thee shall be devoured. All thine adversaries, every one of them, shall go into captivity. And they that spoil thee shall be a spoil. And all they that prey upon thee will I give for a prey. For I will restore health unto thee, and I will heal thy wounds, saith Yehovah. Because they called thee an outcast, saying, This is Zion, whom no man seeketh after? Thus saith Jehovah: Behold, I will bring against the captivity of Jacob 10, and, I, and have mercy on his dwelling places. And the city shall be builded upon her own heap, and the palace shall remain after the manner of there, thereof. And out of them shall proceed thanksgivings, and the voice of them that make merry. And I will multiply them, and they shall not be few. I will also glorify them, and they shall not be small." Their children also shall be as aforetime, and their congregation shall be established before me, and I will punish all them that oppress them. And their nobles shall be of themselves, and their governors shall proceed from the midst of them, and I will cause him to draw near, and he shall approach unto me. For who is this that engageth his heart to approach unto me, saith Yehovah? And ye shall be my people, and I will be your God." Behold, the whirlwind of Yehovah goeth forth with a fury, a continuing whirlwind, and it shall fall with pain upon the head of the wicked. The fierce anger of Yehovah shall not return until he hath done it, and until he hath performed the intent of his heart, in the latter days he shall consider it. At the same time, saith Yehovah, I will be the God of all the families of Israel, and they shall be my people. Thus saith Yehovah, The people which were left of the sword found grace in the wilderness, even Israel, when I, when, when I went to cause him to rest. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Again I will build thee, and thou shalt be built, O virgin of Israel, and thou shalt again be adorned with thy... Uh, tabrets, and shall go forth uh, on the dances of them that make merry. Thou shalt yet plant vines upon the mountains of Samaria, and thou shalt plant and shall eat them as common things. For there shall be a day that are, that the watchmen upon the mountain Phryam shall cry, Arise ye, let us go up to Zion unto Jehovah our God. Or thus saith Jehovah: Sing with gladness for Jacob, and shout among the chief of the nations. Publish ye, praise ye, say, O Jehovah, save thy people, the remnant of Israel. Behold, I will bring them from the north country and will gather them from the coast of the earth. And with them the blind and the lame, the woman with a child, and her great travail with child together. A great company shall return thither, and they shall come with weeping, and with supplication will I lead them. I will cause them to walk by the rivers of water in a straight way, wherein they shall not stumble. For I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. Hear the word of Yehovah. O ye nations, and declare it in the isles afar of off, and say, He that scattered Israel will gather him, and keep him, as a shepherd doth his flock. For Jehovah hath redeemed Jacob, and ransomed him from the hand of him that was stronger than he. Therefore they shall come and sing in the height of Zion, and shall flow together into the goodness of Jehovah. for wheat, for wine, for oil, for the young of the flock and of the herd, and their souls shall be as a watered garden, and they shall not sorrow any more at all. Then shall the virgin rejoice and dance, both the young men and the old together, for I will turn their mourning into joy and will comfort them and make them rejoice from their sorrow. And I will satiate the soul of the priests with fatness, and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, saith Jehovah. Thus saith Jehovah, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping, Rachel weeping for her children, refused to be comforted for her children because they were not. Thus saith Yehovah, refrain thy voice from weeping, and thine eyes from tears. For thy work shall be rewarded, saith Yehovah, and they shall come again from the land of the enemy. There is hope in thine end, saith Jehovah, and thy children shall come again to their own border. I have surely heard Ephraim bemoaning himself thus. Thou hast chastised me, and I was chastised as a bullock unaccustomed to the oak. Turn thou me, and I shall be turned, for thou art Yehovah my God." Surely after that I was turned, I repented, after that I was instructed, I smote upon my thigh, I was ashamed, yea, even confounded, because I did bear the reproach of my youth. Is Ephraim my dear son? Is he a pleasant child? For since I spoke against him, I do earnestly remember him still, therefore my bowels are troubled for him. I will surely have mercy upon him, saith Yehovah, set uh, set thee at bulwarks, waymarks, sorry. Make thee high heaps, set thine heart toward the highway, even the way which thou wentest. Turn again, O virgin of Israel, turn again to these thy cities. How long will thou go about, O thou backsliding daughter? For Yehovah, for Yehovah has created a new thing in the earth. A woman shall encompass a child, a man, sorry, <laughs> encompass a man. Thus saith Yehovah of host God of Israel, as yet they shall use this speech in the land of Judah and in the cities thereof when I shall bring again their captivity. Yehovah bless thee, O habitation of justice, and mountain of holiness. And there shall dwell in Judah itself, and in all the chiefs there together, husbandmen, and they that go forth with flocks. For I have satiated the weary soul, and replenished the every sorrowful soul. Upon this I waked and beheld, and my sleep was sweet unto me. Behold, the days come, saith Yehovah, that I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of man and with the seed of beasts. And it shall come to pass, like as I have watched over them to pluck up, to break down, to throw down and destroy and to afflict, so will I watch over them to build, to plant, saith Jehovah. In those days they shall say no more. The fathers have eaten a sour grape, and the children's teeth are set on edge. But everyone shall die for his own iniquity. Every man that eateth the sour grape, his teeth shall be set on edge. Behold, the days come, saith Yehovah, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, though I was a husband unto them, saith Jehovah. But, but, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel, after those days, saith Yehovah, I will put my law in their inward parts, and shall write it in their hearts, and will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, No Jehovah; for they shall all know me. From the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith Jehovah. for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. Thus saith Yehovah, which giveth the sun for a light by day, and the ordinance of the moon of the stars for a light by night, which divideth the sea when the waves thereof roar, Yehovah of hosts is his name. If those ordinances depart before me, saith Jehovah, then the seed of Israel also shall cease from being a nation before me forever. Thus saith Jehovah, if heaven above can be measured, and the foundations of earth be searched out beneath, I will also cast off the seed of Israel from all that have done they have done saith Jehovah, Behold, the days come, saith Jehovah, that the city shall be built to Jehovah from the tower of Haniel unto the gate of the corner, and a measuring line shall yet go forth over against it upon the hill of Gareb, and shall compass about Galath, and the whole valley of dead bodies, and of the ashes, and all the fields of the brook of Kidron unto the corner of the horse gate towards the east shall be holy unto Jehovah, and it shall never be plucked up nor thrown down any more forever. It's just good, good stuff. So that is the context of the, cov- the new covenant right there. It's all about his people, how they were scattered. He chastised them. But Ephraim is his firstborn, and he loves them. And there's nothing that will take them away from him. And as long as there is night and day in the heavens and the earth, Israel will always be his people. And so when Yeshua said, You know, this is the new covenant in my blood. It is that, and then this comforter would come and it would write these things in their hearts and he would give them his word infused into them to now go do what we read right here. That's the context of what's happening as his word and his power goes throughout all the earth to gather back in his people to create for himself a kingdom. So that is Shavuot. And um, so I think it's just pretty awesome. And that is why, uh, you know, we can be grateful and we can rejoice and, and, and we can, you know, however best we can, because we can't bring wheat to the temple, we can give of our first fruits to him. So anyway, that's that. I hope it's been a blessing. And uh, I hope you have a wonderful Shavu. Let's pray. Heavenly Father God, I thank you. Uh, for your word, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your covenant that you have made with us, and that uh, it doesn't hinge on our ability to keep our end. It is a covenant you made with yourself, and you have brought us into it. And I thank you for that, God. And uh, I pray that you would just use uh, us in whatever state we're in for your glory to um, work out your word in the earth, and that you would gather us soon from all corners of the earth back to your land and your kingdom, and that you would reign and that justice would be done. So I just thank you for all these things. In Yeshua's name, amen. Amen. Oh